standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of The Sunday Chops. And before I do that, may I wish you a very Merry Christmas on behalf of myself and indeed the rest of the Standard Issue team. We hope you had a lovely day. It's Boxing Day if you're listening to this on Sunday, a day historically linked to sports and, you know, the the big match, the big Boxing Day match, which you might go to if you're not being held hostage by a global pandemic and a complete absence of public transport. Anyway, as I've alluded to there, it's been a funny old year, hasn't it? again and sport is no exception so i got together with sports journalists and broadcasters dr carrie dunn and natasha henry to have a little look back over 2021 a year in women's sport to talk about all sorts of things really the olympics emma radicanu women's football and our highs and lows of the year carrie and natasha are absolutely excellent and i had as you will hear the whale of my life chatting to them about this. So I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I, and I hope they enjoyed recording it. I am joined by sports journalist and author, Dr. Carrie Dunn. Good morning. And also sports journalist and broadcaster, Natasha Henry. Good morning. Who are here today to talk to me about, well, not talk to me, talk to you about... 2021, a year in review of women's sport. How are you both? You okay? All good here, thank you. You? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Natasha, how's how's life? Yeah, life is good. I'm looking at both of them, and they've they've got their Zoom bookcases absolutely on point. They've both left London. They're having the whale of their lives <laughs> on their Zoom call business. Absolutely loving it. So, guys, we are here to talk about. The last year in women's sport. And Carrie, I'll, I'll start with you on this, I think. Just in general, how how you think things have been going in women's sport over the last year? Because it's been a tricky time, obviously. We, we've come back from a pandemic and there was a lot of chat beforehand about how that might affect things going forward. Do, do you think it has had a harmful impact? Have you seen the impact on women's sport? Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about the, about the last couple of times I came on to talk to you, Jen, and we were, you know, the, we at the start of the pandemic, we were talking about kind of the difference in financing, the difference in media interest, and we were speculating about how we thought the pandemic would affect women's sport. I mean, take women's football for for an example. Yes, things have been great at the top, and we'll talk about that later on. But we've seen this absolute farce where we've had the Women's FA Cup. We've basically been running two competitions at once because uh, below the third tier of women's football, it's just basically been in abeyance for the past 18 months. And so it's only been in the last few months that women's football in the FA Cup has come back and they can play the last few rounds of the qualifying for this year's competition. It's been absolutely crazy. So we're recording this on Mm. December the 15th. So when you hear this, things will have moved on a little bit. But we've just had the FA Cup final. Has the next year's FA Cup started? Yeah. While that was finishing? Yeah, so the FA Cup final that we just had was last season. Because the one from the season before also didn't happen until the autumn of last year. So everything has just been absolutely squished about. So we had a period where we had like three or four of the earlier rounds squashed into the space of four or five weeks. So 
it's it's a difficult scheduling thing and also we've had this debate about prize money coming up about uh you know women's football clubs are actually losing money the further on they progress because they've got to pay for coach travel around the country they've got to cover you know their players expenses and they're only winning a couple of hundred quid in prize money even if they're in kind of the first or second round so Yes, we're still seeing some, some some massive problems in women's sport, but also seeing some great achievements, and we'll talk some of those uh, this morning. Natasha, what about you? Have you seen much? What, what, what do you think the impacts have been? Some of them seem obvious, don't they? Like lots of people dropping out of things and stuff like that. Do you think it's had a negative impact in that respect on the sort of appeal of women's sport? You know, if you if you want to tune in to watch a tennis tournament, for example, like the the WTA finals this year on the women's draw I didn't know who half of them were I, th- I think that's a good point obviously the pandemic especially for a lot of the Olympic athletes it, it ruined their training cycle you know we saw so many injuries and, and and quite a few shocks I think in a way it's weird I think it's post-pandemic it's been worse for the competitors but better for the fans I'm seeing a, a bit more of a connection with fans and sports stars. We've had so many people, you know, talking, speaking out about their mental health, about the cost of training, um, like Carrie said, for footballers. But then we've got athletes who don't have sponsorship. So I think all these little things that maybe we don't always know about women's sports because we don't get the coverage that we do in men's, whether it's the governance, the funding, you know, the healthcare, they've been a lot more vocal about it over the past year to 18 months and I'm seeing fans actually questioning why sports are being run this way whereas before they just appreciated it and got on with it I think maybe that's one positive we can take from the pandemic and and what it's done for sport. Without further ado shall we talk about I don't know arguably the biggest event in in women's sport or well in the UK anyway this year shall we talk about Emma Raducanu who obviously had a sort of breakthrough season this year and I've spoken about on the podcast 8 billion times. She became a household name really at Wimbledon when I think she made it to the fourth round she got through to and then she was eliminated before the quarterfinals. And she made it to this, obviously it was a big match and she unfortunately had to withdraw and then, you know, she kind of became a household name after Piers Morgan was rude about her. To be fair, that's a, when Piers Morgan is, is rude about you, it's pretty much a badge of honour for life, isn't it? Let's absolutely, absolutely. Do we get to talk about the time when Piers Morgan slagged me off in his column? Because that's my <gasps> career highlight still. Look I, at your faces! Oh, I love you even more now, Carrie. <laughs> Why did he slag you off? What happened? Well, the funny thing was... I didn't even mean it as an insult, what he's picked up on. But I've been doing some um, live blogging for The Guardian. And it was at some point um, when he was judging Britain. Britain's Got Talent, wasn't it, that he did? And I'd made a passing joke about... It was was dancing on ice. It was a Bonnie Langford joke. It wasn't even about Piers Morgan, but (laughs) he was involved in the punchline. But anyway, he used his next Mail on Sunday column to basically... um, take the Guardian apart and he accused everyone at the Guardian of just kind of following Alan Rusbridge's orders to just take the mickey out of him and he named me specifically as one of the evil journalists who were following instructions to make jokes about him and I was just like no we just all independently thought we'd make jokes about you (laughs) but anyway it's not not a struggle is it come on you give us so much material mate So, Carrie, there you go. That's you and Emma Raducanu, something, Me and Emma Raducanu, something you're having, yeah. having in common. So, 
Then, obviously, she went on to win the US Open, which is huge. And I guess, like, you know, if if I were being nitpicky, you know, maybe you could ask the question, if there had been other competitors involved, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Maybe she lucked out a little bit. You know, arguably, some of the lesser-known athletes have, you know, COVID has done them a bit of a favour in some respects. But that would be me being nitpicky because I think she's great and a, a joy to watch playing tennis. And you could see that right from the outset. I'm very excited to see what happens in her career but she's very young do you think she's the real deal do you think she has what it takes to sort of it seems like a stupid question because she's already won a grand slam but Natasha what, what do you think I think from the way she came up from a disappointment at Wimbledon that gives me a lot of confidence in her as a person as a competitor you can be as talented as you are but it's it's also about the hard work it's also about the mental commitment the physical commitment um um, I, I do agree with you, you know, she she didn't have the scariest draw of, of past US Open winners, but you can only beat what's in front of you, cliche as much as it is. And I think she's shown a kind of, I want to say a strength in her own career, which, I mean, we'll talk about Spotty later, but Raheem Sterling's another person who very young made very decisive decisions on where he wanted his career to go and what he wanted to do. With her sacking her coach and taking her time to find a new one, I think she's really focused. I I hope she's the real deal because it'd be amazing to see a female British tennis star. You know, with her heritage, her background, it, it will inspire so many. But I hope she's the real deal and I'm quietly confident. Carrie, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the past six months for Emma Raducanu have kind of shown pretty much all her strengths all together, even when you think they're weaknesses. So if you think about Wimbledon and the way that she had to retire from that fourth round match and everyone was putting it down to, you know, a panic attack. And I am still not convinced that is what happened. Um, I think it was more of a physical thing in that she just was not used to playing against grown women. She was not used to playing against someone yeah, of the wasn't it? It was kind of like, so I yeah, think she really was breathing point. into her chest. Yeah. And yes, okay, you get panicky if you can't breathe properly. So I'm, I, you know, that makes sense. But she said that, she, you know, she wasn't used to playing at that level. She wasn't used to playing adult women. And that I think that's been a huge thing. You saw lots of people kind of have a little bit of a dig or a moan after she played her first matches on the tour. Her first matches on the tour came after she won the US Open. She's never had that week in, week out kind of grind of playing every day. So the US Open, let's not forget, she came through qualifying to win that. Yeah, it was just she was playing crazily well. And Tasha mentioned um, sometimes over the past year, we've seen that it's been the lesser known players who have benefited. Um, I talked to Holly Bradshaw, the pole vaulter before the Olympics, and she was saying we've actually kind of got used to uh, performing in front of no crowds, in front Mm. of empty stadia. So during the pandemic, the big players who are used to kind of capitalising on having the crowds get behind them, They've been a little bit shaken, whereas people who've been used to playing tiny events, junior events, in Emma Raducanu's case, they've been okay to kind of come through qualifying, come through the first rounds when no one's watching them. It's been the same for them. Mm. So I think, you know, we talked about her changing her coach. 
I mean, she went to the US Open basically with a coach that she borrowed off the LTA. It was never kind of a long-term setup because no one was expecting this to happen as quickly as it was. She just sat at A levels and the gear just gone. So it's been a massive six months for her. We've seen that she's got the strength of character to make big decisions. And obviously, she's a great tennis player. So 2022 will be a big test because obviously now people know who she is. This is when the pressure's going to be on. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that worries me a little bit is another big news story of the year obviously Naomi Osaka talking about her mental health and then after that sort of the floodgates opened really didn't they so many athletes were talking about their mental health I guess the worry for Emma Raducanu is what happens next with that pressure on her I think Emma's I don't know if lucky's the correct word if this was five seven eight years ago I'd be a lot more worried I think there seems to be, especially, I know, people like me and Carrie work in the sports media and people within sports, like the veteran players, you know, your Serenas, they seem to be creating a more protective barrier around the youngsters, making it acceptable for them to talk about their mental health. You know, can't imagine people speaking out like Naomi did 10 years ago. It was unheard right. of. It would be one person. Now you're seeing it across all sports. I think... I hope society as a whole is understanding things a bit more and particularly the authorities are ensuring that their athletes are are looked after. But you would hope that because now we're a bit more open and aware and understanding and empathetic that Emma won't, she'll be able to find help a lot quicker than those that came before her did, I suppose would be yeah I, I think like i think you i mean even just the shock about when naomi osaka came out and said that she'd been struggling with mental health you know that was a big deal even now wasn't it you yeah. know it did send great shock waves through you know the sporting community and beyond so I, I, I totally agree with you it does seem like now that that has happened hopefully it will be easier for people going forward Moving on to the big event of the summer, was it a big event? Again, massively impacted on by the pandemic. Now, I I, I bloody love the Olympics. Like, I, I love them. And I really enjoyed the Olympics this year. But there were, you know, there were some negative, there were some quite snarky comments before, during and after about, you know, how big a success they had been without the crowds, without all of that atmosphere, what do you guys think? Carrie, do you think the Olympics were a damp squib or, or do you think, you know, they had all, all the things you need of an Olympics? I think they were rather damp squibby, to be oh, honest. I mean, Carrie. I'm sorry, Jen, I know that you love the Olympics, but I have to speak my truth. Um, I'm still not entirely convinced they should have happened. Well, I mean, I kind of agree on that point, but, but yeah. I'm still surprised that they did. I mean, I was kind of waiting up until like, the day before thinking are you really gonna do this yeah yeah you are really gonna do this and they did yeah i mean i watched it you know of course you watch the olympics because it's the olympics but i don't know it, it didn't feel the same to me i mean jen you're the olympics enthusiast did you feel the same about this one as you did about the you know the ones previously um, i think it's difficult because i mean obviously i was reporting on them as you were as well. Obviously, when you're reporting on them, you, you're watching them happen. And I think this makes me sound like a bit of a basic bitch, but I do think that the time difference like, really does have an impact on how much of it you consume. And obviously, being in Japan, 
it is harder to kind of keep up to date with what's happening. But I, what I loved was every morning waking up and turning on the TV and it was kind of like towards the end of the day at the Olympics with my little daughter and putting the TV on and there being like guaranteed good news for like two and a half weeks. <laughs> guaranteed good news to start the day. Someone has won an Olympic medal, like a gold medal and... That'll fucking do, frankly, in this <laughs> in, in in the shit show that we're currently living in. So I I really is that appreciated how easy that. We are now. Are you've got to take it. Please, we are now just some random person somewhere. Take will your wins where you can. You've got to yeah. take where you can. And Fair I do enough. think there's something so. I mean, I am an Olympics enthusiast, as you say, Carrie. But I think there's something so universally accepted about what an olympic medal means that you know what you have to sacrifice what you have to go through to obtain that it's it's the pinnacle of your career for 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 many athletes maybe not for you know professional athletes who get paid lots of money to do other things for your for your random shot putter or whatever like that is that's that's the shit isn't it so Mm. i don't know i i just find it relentlessly heartwarming natasha what did you think did you did you enjoy it i'll be honest i didn't report on it and i probably watched less this time than it's the time difference it is yeah you know you are right i think the time difference always plays a big factor because if it doesn't fit into your normal day you know if i have to like rearrange my sleep pattern to watch then i have to really be engaged in the tournament if i'm if i'm not covering it like we were saying some of the bigger stars being injured not being there so i think maybe it was great for the underdog this year maybe there was a lot of athletes whose names we would never have heard of or we didn't know before who now people are paying an interest in but for me it was like oh yeah it's happening great i'm paying attention because that's my nature with sport anyway but i'm not as invested as i was so yeah, I think that's two damps, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't even mentioned it, but what about Dina Asher Smith? Because that was a huge disappointment for you know yeah. Team GB and us as as viewers, and uh, and obviously her. This is going back to the should it have happened. I feel like yeah. we were walking into a situation where we were all waiting for people to get injured because they hadn't competed, they hadn't trained in the in the way they'd planned to train. Obviously, the delay. I think for Dina, it's it's just heartbreaking, isn't it, for her? I think she is, if you want to call her the new Dame Jess, for, for in terms of being the yeah. star of Team GB. But she will be back. I think there's no doubts about that. I'm not worried about her competing in three years' time. She will be back. She will be winning her medals. So I think it's sad that that she broke down, but I think she's still young enough that it's not going to be a problem moving forward. I mean, you compared her to to Dame Jess, and of course we forget that that is what happened basically with Dame Jess. Obviously, she had to pull out of the the Beijing Olympics just right at the you know with basically no notice whatsoever, and she'd become like the face of the Olympics already for Team GB, and you know she had no problems coming back in 2012 and and winning a medal there and you know and and that was like sort of the peak of her career wasn't it the the 2012 olympics and the uh, world championships at the same time so as you say every reason to hope that dina asher smith is going to be back and, and winning medals going forwards we have talked about women's football already but let's talk about it a bit more i have been very concerned i have been wanging on about it incessantly to be honest but about what the pandemic has revealed about 
the way that we view women's football. I think the big thing for me was when the leagues got shut down back in 2020, the, the political will to get the top two tiers of men's football back up and running again. Like there was so much political will to get that to happen. It wasn't just the leagues. It was actually politicians getting involved to make sure that would happen. And quite clearly it's because of the amount of money it creates. Whereas the lower leagues of men's football and women's football, the top league of the top two tiers of women's football shut down immediately. No questions asked. This is the result. End of season. And I thought, to me, that said a lot about where we see women's football. And it was a bit eye-opening and a bit worrying. And I think the same thing could be said about the FA Cup. The fact that that has only just happened in December when the men's tournament just went ahead as planned. What do you think about that? Carrie, you are the, the women's football expert, author of five squillion books. <laughs> <laughs> What do you I think? have a lot of thoughts, Jen. Um, you surprise me. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you in principle. In practice, I just think it was impossible for them to come to any kind of arrangement to get the, even the top leagues of the women set up played because you have to remember that the WSL players are fully pro doesn't necessarily mean that all their backroom staff are there full-time and in right. the championship are only semi-pro. So it's so difficult. If you've got players who then have to go back to their day job on Monday, if, they ha- if they're working in, I don't know, a hospital or a school or whatever, or you know, Hannah Hampton, the, the, uh, the goalkeeper at Birmingham last season at Villa now, she's still in medical school. So, you know, it's really difficult. You don't have that problem in men's football. You, just, you know that there are TV cameras at all the grounds. Get the games played. We can all watch them. Advertisers will be happy. With women's football, it's so much harder. And I saw a lot of third and fourth tier clubs kind of complaining about it and saying fourth tier men's clubs are getting this support. And the parallel isn't quite the same. It's really, really difficult. We are not yet in a position where we can say we have a fully professional women set up who are attracting decent audiences who are financially self-sustaining, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously we saw a really big deal this year where the TV broadcast contract was all decided with you know BBC and Sky Sports coming to their agreement to to share the broadcasting but now we're having the same problem that we have in the men's game in the kickoff times are changing and that's then going to affect the people you know the attendance actually in person so I I worry a little bit that women's football is going to repeat some of the errors that we have seen in the men's game as it becomes more professional and as money becomes a, a bigger player and I completely agree that the pandemic did affect women's sport to a greater degree than it probably did men's. But I think there are some reasons for it, understandable ones, even if I don't necessarily like them. Let's talk about the money a little bit, because the money, especially in football, is it's the elephant in the room, isn't it, really, when we're talking about women's sport? And it's interesting because I have very, very mixed feelings about the whole thing. Carrie, like you say, about repeating some of the errors that we've seen in the men's game, but also you see things like the FA Cup prize money was £24,000 or something for the winning team, 
which I think, you know, when you think about that winning team is Chelsea. I think I said on the podcast, Roman Abramovich probably pisses that away on a like Thursday night out. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not in the great scheme probably, of that's things. That's one bottle of champagne in a restaurant in London. Exactly, Come exactly, on. Natasha. As we all well know from our times in those <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> Oh, yes, so many dinners. (laughs) But it's weird to think of, isn't it? I mean, Natasha, you're an Arsenal fan. How are you feeling about women's football at the moment? Not that that's particularly relevant, but, you know, just Well, well, I'm feeling great about the table at the moment after last season tipping us to to do well and us not doing well. To put it, I think the men's, the losers of the men's FA Cup final, is it one million they get in in prize money? The lose, sorry, the losers. I did say lose. Yeah, losers. no, the, the the runners up. I think is the uh, technical losers. <laughs> losers. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan. I know all about being a loser these days. Well, look um, at who you're talking to. But yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the runners up, I believe, get one million, which again is ludicrous. I'm, I'm with Carrie. We want more money in the women's game, but. Because we've been around it for a long enough time, we know there needs to be more money coming into it in order for those working in it to receive that money. We definitely don't want to get in a situation where it's all borrowing money and it's it's untenable. We don't want them taking on more debt in order to, to pay their players more and to have better facilities if it's not going to benefit the game long term. And, and Carrie's right, you're already seeing changes that we saw when football became when football became the Premier League if if you want to call it that where the more money that comes in it means the people making the decisions no longer always have the best interest of the sport at their heart you know if you're scheduling a game for eight o'clock on a Sunday night for example you know one of the greatest things about women's football is the family atmosphere you know you go with your mum and your dad and your nan they're not going to a game at eight o'clock on Sunday night and we don't want to dissuade those old school fans that have been there supporting the teams for years to stop coming just so we can get more money into the game yeah absolutely so we've got one more thing to talk about which are the sports personality of the year nominations i wonder what you guys thought about them all of them not just the women's nominations Uh, by the time the listeners hear this there will have been a result. But I just wonder what you thought about it and what your personal highlights, or indeed lowlights, because that's how I roll, of the year <laughs> have been from a women's sport perspective. Natasha, do you want to kick off on this? Um, I think Naomi Osaka coming out and speaking her truth was a, was a serious highlight for me. Lowlight would have been Dina. In terms of spotty, I would love to see Sarah story win I think her her legacy in Paralympic sport I mean the woman's four years older than me I struggled to get out of bed in the morning she was winning <laughs> medals six months ago I think it's like 12 golds in cycling and I think it's like it's nearly 28 medals, medals 28 in total yeah I don't know you how know, many this of is, is gold but it, a lot yeah I think it's 17 that are gold but I think this is going to be her last chance and I would love to see her end her career on a high that's what so, I, yeah. I always sort of think with these things, like, why are you going to get, like, Emma Raducanu in some respects, yeah, absolutely, it's a massive achievement, but at the same time... Another 15 years Exactly, ago. she's young, come on, give it to the dame, you know? Yeah, I had to 100%. say, I laughed my ass off to see Sarah Story's tweet the other day when she said that of the other nominees, only Tyson Fury was actually born when she went to her first games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
Carrie, what about you? Do you think there's a glaring omission from that spotty list? Is there anyone you'd be like, why aren't they on there? Do you know what? I've kind of given up caring about who's on it and who's not on it yeah. because it's I get annoyed bollocks. every year. Yeah. It's not, it's, you know, it's obviously not a personality award. It's not <laughs> usually a year award, is it? It's just, you know, people doesn't think that we can remember in the past few months. But um, <laughs> I think if we talk about my highlights, obviously Emma Raducanu was, was one of them. Probably my low light would have been Great Britain at the uh, and the football team at the Olympics. I just thought that was really quite disappointing. I mean, it, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't as good as everyone was kind of hyping it up to be, particularly uh, following Hegarisa coming in after Phil Neville went. So I was all excited. <laughs> it just wasn't great. So that was a bit of a low light for me. I think my highlight was Bethany Shriver at the Olympics winning gold because it was just incredible. And... I just thought about all the little girls who would have seen it afterwards going to their parents like, will you take me to the BMX park? Exactly in that voice, obviously. I don't know, I've got a daughter now, I cry all the time. Basically, it just made me a bit <laughs> weepy. I thought of another highlight, and we haven't mentioned this sport at all, so I just want to get it in. Um, the, the 100 in cricket, I was really sceptical about it, but I love the way that they combine women's and men's sport this summer, and I I loved it. There was cricket on every day, and the women were made up to be absolute superstars, and the fact that the men were there supporting women's sport too, it was great. Great shout. Great Excellent. Shout. Carrie... You've got a book coming out next year. I have. I've just got the front cover through in my email. I want to go and click on it and see what it looks like. It's called Unsuitable for Females, and it is out in summer next year. And it's about women's football. It's about the stories of the people who created women's football as we know it today. Brilliant. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Where can we find you on social media if we want to find out more about your opinions on women's sport and all sorts of other things? On Twitter, at Carrie Sparkle. On Twitter, at Natasha S. Henry. No no Instagrams you want to plug, guys? No TikToks? No, I don't know what else there is, really. That's it, really. We don't do TikToks. I was, was going to say, we're sure you're I, I watch TikToks, but I don't have an account. I don't know what it is. Is it, like, specifically for dancing? I don't really understand. No, it's actually really funny. But then I've got younger cousins, so they just send me all the videos that interest me. I don't need to hunt them out myself. Oh, they have nice. their uses. okay guys thank you so much for joining me standard issue for all women